This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Everything we do is motivated by our brain's attempts to return to a state of peace or joy. Valeria Tellez interviews Dr. Robin Perry Braun, the author of Thrive, Applying Biblical and Quantum Energy Principles to Live a Transformed Life. Dr. Robin Perry Braun, IMD, PhD, MPSY, holds a PhD in integrative medicine, a master's in psychology, and is an ordained minister. She holds trainings in the U.S. and internationally. She is the author of three books, A Believer's Guide to the Law of Attraction, 30 Days to Peace and Joy, and Journey Through the Storm, Overcoming the Pain of Your Husband's Sex-slash-Porn Addiction. She is a regular on One Life Radio, a national iHeartRadio show which discusses alternative health topics. She is the mother of four girls and a new grandmother. She is also a holistic energy practitioner. For over 25 years, she has researched techniques that bring healing to the body, soul, and spirit and she has developed her own certified modality and trains people all over the world. She has found great and lasting results with this model and is passionate about educating people in holistic wellness, as well as helping people to understand themselves from a quantum energy perspective and how to live a life of thriving and fulfilling their destiny. Robin has an established private practice in Dallas, Texas, a growing practice in Round Rock, Texas, and is a regular guest expert on the national iHeartRadio show, One Life Radio. She is the mom of four amazing girls and soon to be a grandmother. She travels to do retreats and live trainings and believes in empowering healers to be more effective with her modality. She loves collaborating with other like-minded healers and believes in the synergy of different giftings coming together for magnified results. Meet Dr. Robin at integratedlifestrategies.com. Here is the interview with Dr. Robin Perry Braun. In your own words, who is Dr. Robin Perry Brown? Oh, wow. That is a complicated question. Um, I think we, you know, reinvent ourselves a number of times over the course of our life. Um, I think that I've probably always marched to the beat of a different drummer. Um, 
and been willing to be different. Uh, you know, I think adolescents are always wanting to fit in, but I always felt like I was different and I was okay with that. I enjoyed being unique. Um, I, I think I've always uh, just been drawn to truth or what I believed was truth, even if it wasn't popular. And, uh, and then finding other people maybe who had the same truths. It seems to be my path. Um, for example, and I'll, I'll just share my journey in that, um, I was involved in alternative medicine at a pretty young age because I was sick and it led me to alternative medicine in my early twenties. And then after, you know, when I had my first daughter, I actually had her at a birthing cottage kind of by accident because we didn't have insurance. And then I, a midwife gave me a book uh, about vaccines and I read that and I was, after I read that I couldn't vaccinate anymore. But this was barely little, little knowledge, didn't know anybody else who wasn't vaccinating. Um, but when I look at how my life has been led, you know, my life has been led from an early age to uh, just march to a different drum and not be swayed by popular opinion and do my own research. And it just seems like at every juncture of my life, the door that I needed to step through was presented to me um, to be on the journey that I've, I've been on for, uh, over about 30 years now. Um, and it's been very led, it's been very spirit led, I'll say. And, and it's been unique in that sometimes I was kind of the only one or one of a very few small percentage who believed that way, felt that way, you know, was walking that path. So I'm, I'm very comfortable in that zone of being in the small percentage. So <laughs> I don't often ask the question about what is truth? What is the truth about life? What kind of question can we ask when it comes to truth? Well, one of the things I teach in my private practice is that we create our own beliefs and most of our beliefs we create either in states of heightened emotion, the negative ones, sometimes the positive ones. They're actually handed down from our ancestors and our DNA. We can be programmed by our parents, by school, by our environment, but our soul is full of these beliefs we've created and they're not always true. They're true to us, but they're not universally true. And so a big part of my practice is helping people find the beliefs that don't align with what I would say, you know, call God's truth or the highest truth. And a lot of those with a lot of people just has to do with rejection and self-esteem and kind of these universal traits of not feeling good enough or, you know, believing you're good enough. And so that's a lot of the reprogramming work that I do. Um, so I, I, you know, me personally, I, my plumb line is who I believe God to be. I do believe that, uh, you know, and I'm going to talk about scripture a couple times. I, I really follow mostly what Jesus said. Uh, there's 30, as a Christian, there's like 20,000 different Christian denominations and they all believe something a little bit different. Um, and there's freedom to do that. But I, I pretty much, as somebody who's had a very close and connected relationship with Christ and my father, Heavenly Father, for many years, I've seen his character in his presence. And so I have a very strong sense of who his character is and what his love look like. And, and there's some gray areas for sure and seeming contradictions, but 
when I look at truth, I ultimately look at how is how is man designed? And I believe, you know, scripture says we were designed in his image and likeness. So the things that are qualities about him is who we were designed to be. I know that our brains are actually designed or wired for peace and joy. It's the way we were made. We weren't made broken. How do we know that? If we cut ourselves, we bleed, we heal. So I look at what I believe was original design was how we were made. And that's where I kind of anchor my truth in um, versus what religion would say. Uh, you know, there's a scripture that Jesus says, um, and, and remember, he's not talking to people who are Christians. These are Jews. And he says, uh, he basically says that, you know, we boil, we boil the whole law down to one principle and it says, love God and then love others as you love yourself. So first we love God who's bigger than us. And in my opinion, created us and loves us unconditionally. So we love him back. And he f also gives us the ability to love because we experience his love. And then we love ourselves. So that means we have to take really good care of ourselves. We have to value ourselves. We have to see ourselves as children of God, sons of God. And that sonship of, uh, you know, the king and the, and the most uh, benevolent father, that, that's who we see ourselves. And then because we have those two things in place, it gives us the capacity to actually truly love other people. Yeah. How do you define faith? Would you say the faith, belief, and hope, trust, are they all the same? All these words mean the same thing to you? Um, th that's a good question. Um, I do believe that I can almost syn call synonym belief and faith uh, are synonyms. Okay. Um, so faith faith is believing in something you don't see right and and belief is again when when it like in our core beliefs in our soul we have these beliefs and they feel very true even if we don't always see them and so they're very synonymous and i use those in my book almost interchangeably um scripture uses the word faith in my practice i use the word believe uh, because what we believe in is really where our faith is at. Um, I think trust can be applied a little bit differently. Um, hope is always positive. So our beliefs are not always positive. But beliefs can be bad things. They can be, you know, good things aren't going to last very long. When's the other shoe going to drop? Something bad's going to happen. So belief can be in, in, in this idea that the universe is against me in some way. Um, hope is, is not necessarily faith. I can hope without having faith. I can hope the universe is for me, but I don't necessarily believe the universe is for me. Um, so I don't think those are always the same. I think trust is a required element, um, in belief and faith in a positive way, in the sense of, for me, uh, one of the things I help walk people through is, you know, where is their trust? Do they have trust? Most people have a lot of distrust because they've been traumatized. Um, but what is your belief actually in? So people will, you know, again, I work with a lot of Christian population. They'll say, well, I trust God, but they really don't because on a subconscious level, you know, they've got doubts. They, they felt violated or things have happened. And why didn't God stop or intervene? And so 
we don't trust somebody we don't know. So that's why, you know, for me, I have to have a, an actual experiential relationship with love, with God as a loving God to trust that he actually loves me. And so I can, I can lean my faith and my belief into this idea that I am loved. And if something isn't going my way, it's either because there's a principle of quantum physics operating or that thing isn't for my highest good. And it's going to be one of those two things or both. And so it, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but, um, I I think they're slightly different, but they're connected. Yeah. One of the things that I love about you already (laughs) and your work, but especially talking to you today is that you embrace, you said that the different, you've been always different and always kind of embrace that Uh, It's a challenge. I know, but you embraced it. So my question is, how did you become a Christian and why? Because that is almost like trying to fit in and to believe in things that is outside of you. That's interesting. And actually, my experience was different. And I'll tell you why. I was, um, I was raised in Massachusetts. Uh, and most of the population I grew up with were either Jewish or Catholic. Um, my family was not Catholic, so I didn't fit in there. And I wasn't. Um, so my family is originally from Georgia. And my grandmother and my aunt were both born-again Christians. Um, so a different, you know, a little bit of a different take than Catholicism. And so I had kind of grown up with this dichotomy of this is not where the way my reality is, but this is how people in Georgia are. And I you know, it was almost like a cult, just a cultural thing. People in Georgia are born again Christians, people in Massachusetts are Catholic. And that was kind of the simplicity of my understanding. Um, I really have to, and, and my, both my grandmothers were strong Christians. So if I'm going to be honest in telling my story, I was, I really had, my parents had both kind of rebelled against the church, um, and were what we would call agnostic, um, and there's a longer story there uh, where, you know, they at the end of their life, they kind of came back to Christ. But um, so I wasn't raised in any of that other than I had these distant relatives I saw once a year. But I had two grandmothers praying for me over the course of my life. And I think it really kept me out of getting in more trouble than I could have. I think God protected me in some areas where I could have done a lot worse or gotten in a lot more trouble. Um, but there was just a, a time when I was about 21 and I actually was in a pretty good place in my life. But, um, I, you know, again, I tell my story in my way. Um, God put a girl in my life I'd gone to high school with and she had become a Christian and she invited me to her church. And this is back in Massachusetts. I was home for the summer and I remember going, I was drawn. I, I always liked going to church growing up. I was drawn to God. I just didn't really understand it very well. I didn't have, um, I was drawn to Jesus, to God, but I wasn't surrounded by it. Let me just say it that way. Um, I kind of had to go find it myself. That's why I wasn't really trying to fit in at all because it wasn't what everybody else was doing. And so I went to, uh, I went to church with her and I can't explain at that moment, what I felt as a presence, I just remember I cried the whole, every time I would go to church, I would just cry the whole time. 
So what I would say in looking back was that God was drawing me. He was drawing me and I didn't know why. And I was actually in a really great place in my life at the time. Um, but the, the kind of the final part of the story was I was, uh, uh, traveling down to bring my fiance, drive him back to Texas, longer story short. And we stopped in Atlanta and my aunt and my grandmother were all going to this revival service. And this, there was preaching going on. And I would have told you at the time, I really felt like I was a Christian. I just didn't really understand a lot. Um, but I was always had been drawn to God. And at the end of the service, uh, I just like couldn't leave. It was a big, big packed church. And I just felt like there was this evangelist speaking and he had been in prison and had this radical salvation experience in prison. And I just felt like I needed to go meet this guy. Like I couldn't get out of the church. I had this overwhelming compulsion to go meet him. And so I went down and, um, and I just asked him, you know, I said, I wanted to shake his hand. So my only thought I had was to shake his hand. And when I shook his hand, it literally was like electricity shot through my body. And, and, and again, I'm trying to describe this experientially, not using religious terminology. And, um, he asked me if I was saved, which means had I given my life to Christ? And I said, yes. And he asked me if I was sure. And I said, no. And so I, you know, just began to weep. I just would say now looking back, the power of God was all over me. And, um, and I gave my life to Christ. And then, you know, my journey started there. It was not a one-time thing. It's a relationship. And, um, but, you know, at the time, no one in my family was a Christian. It put me at odds with my mother for a while. Um, I wasn't around Christians. I actually went to a Catholic university. I was the only born-again Christian at a Catholic university. Um, so I definitely didn't fit in <laughs> as a Christian. <laughs> yeah. But that's my initial experience into Christianity. So, I love that it has to do with experience. It was not just that somebody made you believe in something that you quite didn't, but you did it anyway because of pressure. So it was more, uh, you had experiences and then you developed this deeper understanding of what that relationship is all about. I do have another question for you about the idea of God and also Jesus. Is Jesus God? And if not, who, where, and what is God to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, okay, so I do believe Jesus was fully God, but with skin on. And then when, you know, after the cross, he left his skin and he went back to his place, but he was fully the nature of God. I experienced them a little bit differently um, in that I, I experienced God more as a loving father. Um, and I've had many, many really supernatural experiences that would take a long time to share. Um, but I experienced God as a loving father. So he's, um, who I sit in the chair with and put my head on his chest. And, you know, my, one of my best memories of my natural father was when I was little, we would watch football together and I would sit next to him in his big recliner. And that was one of my best dad memories. And I've had that type of encounter with my heavenly father many times where I just felt like I was kind of sitting on his lap in a big chair and just feeling that comfort and that love. Um, so I just, I really experienced him as love, unconditional love. Um, 
Jesus, I have experienced many different ways, but slightly differently because he was human, you know, he can relate a little more, a little more on a human level. So emotionally, I think he can relate to my heartache and my pain. I also, again, see him more as a husband, uh, unconditional loving husband and a friend. Um, so I kind of see like, Hey, God is the King. Jesus is the prince and I'm the princess married to the prince. So that's kind of the, maybe a natural representation of my experience. But then uh, as far as the idea of really believing I'm covered in grace and my sins are forgiven, I feel like that, you know, comes from Jesus. And then the third part, the Holy spirit is where I experience God's power on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, the Holy spirit connects to my human spirit and I experience his power um, resonating through me when I speak or when I'm in a certain situation. And we call that the anointing or the Holy Spirit. And so I kind of experience the three of them differently, but they all feel congruent with each other as well. One of the questions that I ask to some people, not too many, is this idea of God being a, a man or the, the masculine figure and not the feminine and then I wonder if God really has a, a gender. No, he doesn't. He, he's both. He's both. I, you know, and I experience him as a nurturer. Um, so what you would see more as a mother quality, you know, uh, he has. I think that because we're trapped in this flesh, it's hard for us to not, uh, you know, experience things through vision or metaphor and so we identify with something that we can relate to in the earth. Um, but even scripture basically identifies God as male and female. And if we believe the creation story, you know, Adam was both male and female, and then Eve was split out of Adam and they were separated. But I do believe God is is all the qualities that embody both masculine and feminine. And I think that humans have, males have feminine qualities Females have masculine qualities. It's just the percentage that they embody. But I think we have the capacity for both as, mm. as human beings. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience, the reason to be here? Wow. Okay. It's some really deep questions. Um, I have a couple of different views on this, uh, and I'm not sure I'm right on any of them. But um, I do believe that... Um, there's, and again, a lot of it's scripturally based, but I do believe in eternity. And I believe that um, one of the reasons we're here, it says, is to manifest sonship on the earth. So we are supposed to bring glory to God on this life experience by being the manifestation of sonship or how Jesus would have been on the earth. So it's not just about being a Christian, it's about being a son. And so we want to represent well what God intended for us to be, which was to to live and breathe and walk and exude the energy of what it's like to be a son or a child of God. So I believe that's our, you know, our purpose for being here. I believe we all have individual destinies, which is kind of like the tasks or the the per, the specific unique purpose that God put us on this planet for. And I think that that covers the whole gamut of possibility. Um, and then I do believe um, that 
you know, eternally that we have jobs to do in eternity too, that we just move into another dimension and that kind of how we did it here is going to determine what our job is in eternity. I don't believe we ever cease to exist. Um, we just have a different job, but I believe that his desire and his design for all of us is to live in peace and joy and that whatever it is we're supposed to do here, it feels purposeful and pleasurable. And those are really the two things our, our brain is wired for is purpose and pleasure. So you wrote the book Thrive, Applying Biblical and Quantum Energy Principles to Live a Transformed Life. Two questions. How did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration and intention of writing this book? Okay, thank you for asking. Um, I have always felt I was supposed to write books at some point. Um, I enjoy writing. I really felt the first the first book I wrote was A Believer's Guide to the Law of Attraction. Thrive is a rewrite, but it's eight years later with a lot more experience and stories and about 50% more content. Um, I wouldn't have rewritten it, but I had a publisher approach me and who had read my book and asked me if, if I would rewrite it, she would publish it for me. And, and if I put more of myself into it, my own stories. So I really felt like around 2012, I was beginning to get all these downloads about quantum physics and how it aligned with scripture. You know, as somebody who's been in healing for many years, I think one of my biggest heartaches is even in the church, which has been my the bulk of my experience, I see just as much depression, anxiety, addiction as I do in the world. I worked with sex addicts for many years or the spouses of sex addicts. I was married to a sex addict. And so, you know, in my experience, I've just been um, disheartened that, as I said earlier, I believe our purpose here is to walk as sons. And I just didn't see a lot of Christians with a lot of joy and victory and transformation in their life. And I, including my ex-husband, he, he didn't get well in the course of our marriage. And so, you know, my mission has always been like, God's not broken. There's something we're missing. And I've always been looking for solutions to get people well, help people get well, especially working in the addiction field. It's a very low recovery rate. And so I just felt like God was giving me these downloads about the law of attraction and these quantum physics principles. It was kind of everywhere I turned and how the the principles were the same things I knew to be true from scripture, just worded slightly differently. And I thought, well, if, you know, let, let me give you an example of, okay, so Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever things are true, noble, noble, just, praiseworthy, good report, virtuous, and a couple other words, think on these things. Okay. So that's a great scripture, but like, I didn't know anybody who actually intentionally practiced that, right? Like, okay, all day long, I'm only going to think on positive things. I'm not going to think about anything negative. I'm just, you know, like nobody does that, right? So the more I understood in quantum physics, the power of intention, the power of our thoughts to manifest things, all of a sudden that script took on a whole different level of importance. And I was like, oh, Okay, so Jesus and Paul were like the, you know, quintessential quantum physicists. They were trying to teach us these universal principles, 
And we just didn't get it because we didn't understand how important it is. It's always about the why. Why would I do that? Why would I be spend so much time just focusing on positive things? That didn't make sense to me. But now it does. So now I have another level of reason because now I understand that whatever I think about potentially manifests or my thoughts are powerful and they transmit signals out outside of me. And so it gave me a whole different motivation to be mindful. So that was what kind of started coming together for me. And I thought these are tools for myself and my own healing and the rest of the world that, that aren't being applied. And so that really was my motivation was I, I kind of felt like I couldn't not write the book. It was just coming out of me, if you will. Um, I'm wondering about, I know you mentioned in the book, but I'll ask you the question about the church, the most Christian church. Do they accept this idea or do they reject? Um, well, and that's that was my second mission was I think that the church tends to throw out something that seems unfamiliar or too metaphysical. Um, and they're kind of programmed to do that. And just like, you know, my thing is to teach, I, I, I show people how to get unprogrammed and find their own truth. So even in the church, we've been programmed, right? So for example, let's say growing up, everybody watched the 10 commandments with Charlton Heston. Even if we never read the Bible, we knew that whole story. Well, what if that story wasn't exactly the way the movie interpreted it? Well, we would never know that. We would just believe that's exactly what was true because we watched that movie over and over again. So we assumed it was true. So, you know, my thing is to teach people critical thinking. I'm very big on educating about vaccines. And I'm like, don't just get a vaccine because your doctor seems to be a good guy and he says your baby needs it. Go research vaccines. Start challenging why is the autism rate gone from one in 10,000 to one in 35 in 20 years? You know, let's start asking these hard questions and looking for actual facts and truth. So that's kind of what I wanted to do. I felt like my calling was to kind of bridge a gap between the new age or metaphysical community and the church and, and create, you know, a unity of really like mindedness in so many ways um, by sharing this, uh, giving solid theology to, and that's what I really, my feedback I get is you took these principles and you grounded them in scripture so that I could really go, okay, this is true because somebody did that for me. And a lot of Christians are very much like scripture is their framework and their plumb line and anything that can't be explained in scripture is not true. And so that's kind of um, why I took that approach. My, my book was really written to a Christian community was to bring these truths that I think are powerful. And I think in a lot of ways, the new age community is a lot mentally, emotionally healthier than a lot of the Christian community because they have applied a lot of these truths to their lives more. Um, so that was kind of really my end goal was, was to bridge that gap, to bring truth that was truth forth. And present it in a way that the language wasn't going to be a, a red flag, which would make you stop listening. You know, it's the, the baby bathwater thing. So let's take the baby, throw out the bathwater. And that really has been my really goal is uh, somebody wrote a, a endorsement and they said I had the ability to mine truth 
And I thought that's a great way to look at it because when you mine something, you have to dig through the rubble to find the gold. And that's what mining is. So I really feel like that's kind of what um, my intention was, is, hey, let's pull out the truths that can lead our lives to transformation. And then let me word them in a way that I know Christians can are palatable. Secondarily, I do believe universally, I, you know, I teach a lot on collective consciousness. Uh, I believe that the law of attraction has exponentially grown in understanding in the past 10 years. And even the difference between when I wrote the first book in 2012 and 13 and released in 2020, the amount of people who can wrap their brain around it has exponentially grown. And so uh, it's just a universal truth that's being more and more accepted, you know, collectively. Yeah, I'm so glad you did this. And thank you so much again, Robin, for your work. It's so important to bring this awareness uh, to people's heart. And you talk about that uh, chapter nine. I really love that chapter. Uh, what is the heart? And you start with the, a um, proverb 23, seven, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And that resonates so true to me. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, no, I think that, um, you know, my book follows a kind of a progression. I will say that for anybody thinking of buying the book too, it's not just a bunch of philosophy. Um, the end of the book gives a couple of chapters on very, very practical ways to raise your vibration, um, and teaches a paradigm of living your life at a high vibration and here's how to do it. So I'm kind of a I'm not a fluff person, so writing a book for me was about how can I take this and actually apply it in step-by-step -step ways to change my life, and, and that's really what the book was designed to do. Yeah, and you've done a great job. I think another section in your book that's very clear, if we just read one of these phrases, we can get some more understanding and question, learn to question more what is not working is the the summary you have on the, the law of attraction and you have all these bullet points and you say here, thoughts are always planting seeds. So this alone says it all. Everything we think, this is something that will come up in the future. It's we are building the future now with everything that we are doing, thinking. I really thank you for what you do, just putting out there food for thought, as some say. So I do have a few more questions for you. Those are the ending. I'll ask these two questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Um, yes, I, I, um, I think that probably I would do, spend a little bit more time with my family um, more intentional. I, I am pretty much a hard worker. I'm very work driven. I do feel like the past few years in my life, I've kind of been at the pinnacle of, of influencing, um, other people's lives. And that brings a great deal of satisfaction. But, you know, if I felt like that season was coming to an end, then I would just want to leave memories with my children behind that, you know, they could hold on to if, if that were, if that were true. So, uh, I think that's probably what I would do. The only thing I would do differently than I'm the way I live my life now. So 
What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Okay. Uh, I know that I will always find something that I don't know. <laughs> always be true. <laughs> things to learn that I don't already know uh, about myself and about others and about the world and about life. So um, that would be one. Um, two, I know that I believe with all my heart that we cannot live a fulfilling life if we don't, if our heart is shut down, if we have walls around our life, that we will, our life, our life experience will be limited. And a lot of this is what I deal with every day with clients. They just are, the wounds have caused them to disconnect their heart from interacting with the world. And it's truly behind a wall. And so I do believe that um, the only authentic way to live is we have to peel back enough layers and get enough healing that our heart is safe to kind of come out and be present energetically. And it's a very powerful energetic presence. And that it, it, our, our heart and our vibration frequency are the thing that impact other people much more than our words or even our story. Um, so that's two. Um, I absolutely, you know, am confident uh, in th this relationship I have with the Lord and Christ, and that there is an eternity um, that will be a much more beautiful place than the Earth. And the Earth has some incredible beauty, but that what's on the other side of this is even beyond our ability to grasp in its beauty. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay. Uh, I have two websites my uh, for my private practice, or if you want to be trained to uh, do the holistic practice that I do, which I have um, certified and it's I created it, uh, is integratedlifestrategies.com. You can find all my books and the products I sell. My primary products I sell on my website have to do with electromagnetic radiation protection, uh, as well as a handful of supplements. And I have a lot of education about that. I'm very passionate about educating on uh, electromagnetic frequencies and protecting ourselves. Um, so that is on integratedlifestrategies.com. My newer website, thrivewithrobin.com, was created more to promote my book and to blog and kind of build more my personal brand for speaking and, you know, kind of who I am and my message. Uh, we, I will eventually merge the two, uh, hasn't happened yet, but it's in the, it's in the to-do list. Um, so, you know, one is uh, I want to educate people. I'm passionate about educating people. I do believe that most people are going to need to do some work with a practitioner to release blocks and, uh, and that there's a, a purpose and not trying to do everything by yourself that we need a safe person relationally to help us heal. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, my newer passion that I loving is being able to train other people to do what I do. Yeah. Wonderful. I'll have those two links posted as well with the podcast profile. So thank you so much again, Robin, and we'll talk soon. We'll be in touch. Great. Thank you. I've enjoyed being here today. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Robin Perry Braun and her work, please visit integratedlifestrategies.com.
To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.